Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tao Foundation. Right there, huh? That's where I should do it? That was sort of a radio lab kind of start here. You know, before I even introduce the guest or the topic or the concept or anything, just because I'm worried I'll forget, it's the last day for one of our interns here, Garnet McLaughlin. And she's an excellent intern. Uh, and if you need somebody who can get stuff done and make things uh, run on time and stuff like that, I would recommend Garnet McLaughlin McGla- to anyone interested in the subject. So there, that's out of the way. That way I don't have to worry about forgetting it. Okay, so uh, joining us in studio right now are two people who are running for governor. Now, they are maybe not names that you know as well as, assuming you even know anybody's name is running for governor, which I think is a actually fairly big assumption. But th- it's not Ned Lamott or Susan Bysiewicz or, you know, Mark Bowden or Aaron Stewart. These are people that, although one of them does have Stewart uh, in his name, uh, these are people uh, who have to maybe work a little bit harder to get some of their ideas out. It's one of the reasons that we decided years ago that we were regularly going to do this show. We're probably going to do it twice during this campaign season because there's so many candidates around. It's a special episode of the show where we seek out some of the candidates who, yeah, they don't get to talk to editorial boards or you know, or, or you know, get invited to a lot of the debates and stuff like that. Um, and so we decided to call way back when. <laughs> we decided, perhaps infelicitously, we decided that we would call this Get to Know Your Fringe Candidates. And we should probably change the name, except that we then wound up recording all this music uh, based on this incredibly beautiful, almost symphonic uh, musical theme that Kion Wolf uh, wrote for the show. It goes like this. One, two, three, four. Get to know your fringe candidates. And so when you have something like that, I mean, you can't get rid of it, obviously. It's too precious. So joining us in the studio right now is Mark Stewart Greenstein, a businessman, former attorney, gubernatorial candidate, running as a liberty-minded Democrat. Uh, and uh, uh, Twitter handle Stewart4, number four, Stewart4 Liberty. Uh, and also in studio with us, Marissa Manley, attorney and founder and president of Commercial Tenant Real Estate Representation Limited, a gubernatorial candidate running as, a, as an independent. Um, and her uh, Twitter handle also is at Marissa Manley, one S. Um, and actually, Marissa, this is a big day for you because you are officially, right now, you have announced you're in the race, right? We have. We made an announcement this morning. We're happy to be here, and we're going to move this forward. Okay, so I'm going to ask both of you to answer some similar questions, but since you have the floor right now, Marissa, um, the obvious question is, uh, why do this? Why run as uh, an independent? What, what do you feel is, I mean, obviously you have, one thing I will, I will say, the people who do this are more excited about their ideas and policies than the people who are the conventional yeah. major party. Th- major party yeah. people will go out of their way to avoid telling you any of their <laughs> policies, whereas the, whenever we do this show, Uh, the people who come in here, that's what they want to talk about. So what do you want to talk about? All right. So let's talk about Connecticut is in crisis. I think everybody or most of the people running are agreed on that. We have people leaving the state. We have the highest unfunded pension liability in the country. I love Connecticut. Time to get off the sidelines. Time to make a change. Why run as an independent? That's your question. 
The reason I'm running as an independent is because the two major parties have led Connecticut into the state that we're in now. They have led Connecticut into a state of disrepair. And I think that this is really a year, 2018, perhaps the most important election in Connecticut's history in many, many years. People are ready for change. You know that we have the most unpopular governor in the country. Uh, he's not running, but it's a reflection of the policies that administration has pursued. Both of the major parties um, across the nation have become less and less popular. They are highly polarized, highly dysfunctional. More than 60% of voters nationwide want to see an independent party, a third party, a viable third party candidacy. In some states, that's as high as 82 to 84%. 84% of Democrats in Colorado say they will vote for an independent for statewide office. 82% of Republicans say they'll vote for an independent for statewide office because so many people are dissatisfied with the existing two-party system and realize the extent to which government has become dysfunctional because of that polarization. All right. Mark Stewart Greenstein, sometimes known as Mark Stewart, which is a little bit confusing, but um, we could talk about that. Uh, but give us like your two-minute elevator pitch, similar to Marissa. Well, Marissa talked about Connecticut uh, needing a fix. How about how to do a fix? Mm. And I like to talk micro, at least today. Yesterday's Current talked about the crisis for homeowners in eastern Connecticut through what seems to be close to an act of God. Um, it's hard to blame the crumbling foundations on bad contracting. Insurance is legitimately not in the picture, and a lot of people are about to lose their homes in the next five years. How do you fix it? My solutions, which I proposed to a couple of the town managers in eastern Connecticut, involve very little government, but old-fashioned communal get together and get people into those foundations. It could be a great summer job for people who want to go into the trades. Employ them cheaply. For God's sakes, a lot of them are going to be unpaid interns for the summer. They can get paid a little bit. You may have to wa waive a minimum wage requirement to make it economical. You may have to waive some zoning restrictions so that somebody whose foundation could or whose plot could support a second home on the plot. Let them rebuild instead of the higher cost of undoing and building again. There's a lot of things that minimal micro-government can do well, especially if big state government butts out. All right. So, Garnet, could you, at the end of the day, just go and fix the crumbling foundations of— uh, Yes, she's putting her thumb I up. have She'll a fund she's for a, it. She's an excellent uh, intern, and I'm sure she could get something done there. I would put my money on, on Garnet. All right. So, um, Marissa— uh, I'm going to give you a magic wand, uh, an imaginary magic wand, where you can change one thing, one you, you can affect one policy change. Easy, easy. What's it going to be? Easy. Make? It's absolutely pensions. Yeah. Pensions are the Damocles sword, the albatross, or it's. Do you want to think about? It? No, no, I don't no, need to think sure? about. Okay. One hundred twenty-seven billion dollars. What are we going to do to make a difference? Right. The problem is the system. Mm -hmm. the, the debt that we now have is a function of the, the, mis, the, uh, the way the system has been functioning. Mm -hmm. We must um, restructure the way pensions are calculated in Connecticut. Right now, all kinds of things get thrown into pension, huge amounts of overtime pay, 
um, very, very high cost of living increases. We need to simplify that. We're going to limit what can go into the system. We're ultimately going to convert from defined benefit to defined contribution. Mm -hmm. We'll take all the people who are in the system. What we'd like to do is figure out how much is owed, bring that back to present value, give them a nice lump sum payment, and then everybody goes into a defined contribution system. It's what you know is a 401k probably. Mm -hmm. It's clean. It's simple. It's transparent. So you're probably not going to get the backing of the state employees unions uh, for your candidacy. Well, I'm going to say we might because if you're a state employee and you go to sleep at night knowing that your health benefits are 1% funded, Mm -hmm. knowing that your pension is 25% funded, I think a lot of state employees would rather see a system that's honest, transparent, fully funded, and portable. So, so uh, state so employees. So you know you can't do anything until 2027, right? I mean, you can make well, changes now, no, but they no, can't. No, no, they no. can't take effect until these contracts run through 2027. I disagree with that. Yeah. it's always possible to renegotiate, and when people understand the benefits of a change in the system, and when people see, look, after the 2015 tax increase, we had another 21,000 people leave this state, taking with them 2.6 billion dollars in adjusted gross annual income. If there's no money to pay off the pensions, it doesn't matter what the contract says. Mm -hmm. People who are interested in getting paid ought to be interested in looking at a different system, and that's what we can offer. All right, Mark, magic wand time. You can change one thing. I'll get it through the legislature, whatever it is. You can change one thing. Because it's coming up. It's their insistence on tolls when there's a better solution. I believe in user fees. Yeah. There's a better one, and the legislature's missing it. Right. Mileage-based fees are cheap to install. And anywhere people travel, no, it doesn't the, need to be the four-lane highways only. Oh, but, I see. So you like you would put. Oh, I've read about this. Yeah. You see, so you know, there would be metering everybody's car. You do it in Oregon. They're doing it very well. And but isn't this that is, big government though? No, it's the uh, well. You do need to raise revenue somehow. Yeah. If we're going to be raising revenue on only four-lane highways, it's instantaneously people who commute paying a lot more than people who don't commute. You're instantaneously putting people at odds with one another. These devices can charge three cents a mile. Mm-hmm. If you want to charge the New Yorker or the Massachusetts person five cents a mile, you might be able to do that. I don't think you should. The revenue is so easy and it's almost instantaneous. I, this- I personally like that idea. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's almost impossible politically, but I did say magic wand, so mm-hmm. I, I can't. Yeah, I can't even bring that up, right? That's the rule. Marissa and I were in Westport on Saturday yeah. with one of the legislators who is on the Transportation Committee. It sounds to him like, oh, we've studied this. It's a done deal. I wish the legislators would be open-minded to new, very practical ideas. This one's a winner. Right. So you, you're opposed to tolls, but you're in favor, to a certain degree, I think, of legalization or recreational use of marijuana? Yeah. Okay. What about marijuana in Toll House cookies? Fine. <laughs> okay, you'd be, you'd be good with that. <laughs> For adults. Right. So, um, uh, Marissa, um, uh, back to you. So, um, uh, ultimately, you know, the pension's a problem. Uh, it's a huge problem, as you've identified. Do you think that would get us out of our f- fiscal crisis? You fix the pension and so, we're out of a fiscal crisis, or do we still— Oh, no, we yeah. still have— So. There is a stool here. It's a three-part solution. The first thing we're going to do is fix the pensions. The next thing we're going to do is fix the taxes. So taxes immediately, immediately repeal the the estate and gift tax. 
chases people out of the state. We're going to lower the income tax. We're going to go down to, a let's say, a 3% broad, flat rate. Now, we, we are ultimately going to eliminate the personal income tax, but first we've got to be able to pay a few bills. It's not credible to say we're going to eliminate the income tax when we still have that pension liability hanging over us. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to eliminate 200-plus nuisance taxes that generate less than 2% of our revenue, but people have to fill out forms and get penalized. So we're going to clean up the tax situation. Now, now people are going to start to bring jobs back to this state because it's going to be pro-growth. It's going to be friendly. We're going to compare well to other states. So that's the stool. Hmm. It's get rid of that pension overhang. Reform our tax system so it makes sense. Get rid of taxes that are driving people away. And then jobs will start Hmm. to come. We'll have a cluster of strong um, industries that we can excel in, as we have in the past. That's the way we're going to fix the situation. Mark Stewart, Greenstein, taxes, go. Well, on CBAC, there's two very good reasons to keep it. There's one that's for against, and it may be that we really can't afford it, that we would really have such a humongous debt that our children are going to be burdened forever. The two reasons I'd like to see keeping it, one is honoring contracts. Good or bad, they signed it. Okay, and though some Republicans would like to weasel out of it, we should honor contracts, especially when some people are giving up. They've kept on their jobs because they were promised something for the next 10 years. The other reason is we can restore Connecticut to the healthiness that allowed us to afford nice benefits for state workers. I'd like to be the Connecticut of the 1980s. Try it. And here's the deal. I would hold CBAC as a bargaining chip, and I don't bargain with many things. Yes, there are reasons to go against it. Marissa's right. However, let's go forward if you give me everything else. There are a lot of good, good, good ideas. Legislature moves forward on them, including 500 new private schools. You're going to keep your CBAC. Hmm. All right. Uh, quick uh, personality round where we get to know uh, like one thing about you. So, Marissa, uh, you're a Kenpo karate black belt holder, correct? Fourth degree. Fourth degree. How, yes. How do you think that uh, influences you or factors into <laughs> you, how you would govern? So, well, I'll tell you one thing you think about in karate is making smart decisions. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you learn is run foo. Yeah. Run foo means you want to avoid fights. Right. That's the I, best. I actually, I practice, I, first of all, I have a black belt in feng shui, but uh, <laughs> also in run foo as well. Run foo. Yeah. Make so smart decisions. Smart decisions and know when to run away. There you go. Okay, that sounds good. You know, Rick Robinson, who's about to be the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, also a martial arts, like a serious martial arts master. He can Let's like, all get together. He can break boards with his mind and stuff. All right. So, uh, Mark Stewart, uh, Greenstein, tell us, uh, tell us uh, like a personality thing like that, like well, a hobby. Well, on the sports uh, front, uh, yeah. some of your listeners may know, I'm trying to bring back the Whalers. Yeah. And that's not so much a sports thing as a vitality of Hartford thing. Mm-hmm. Get the economy back. After we lost the Whalers, we had a noticeable drop. We can get it back. So in the process, I am promoting Make Connecticut Skate Again. Ah, we have a Whaler store. And yes, the shirts don't have to have the Trumpish logo. You could just have our new whale, 21st Century Whale. Anyway, we have a store. I'm hanging out routinely at the Newington Arena to promote this. I decide I will get back into sports, and after 32 years, I laced on skates. Mm. It's not bad. I will be a starting goaltender at a level six hockey. I chose goal because I can't keep up with the kids on the regular skate, but I think it's safe. And in the political terms, I'm your backstop. And also, like with Marissa, it's like a a, a, yeah, it's a backstop. It's a metaphor for not letting bad ideas in. 
All right. So we're going to take a little break. I want to talk also. Uh, I should tell you that at the end of the show, after the fundraising break, uh, we are going to uh, have an interview with uh, Lee Whitnam, probably the most famous quote-unquote, fringe candidate uh, in contemporary Connecticut history. Um, but we're going to have more. I want to talk specifically now to Marissa and Mark about um, the way this system is set up and why it's set up the way it is and to what degree or another it strikes them as unfair. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We are back with two candidates whom maybe you didn't know before this show. Mark Stewart Greenstein, businessman, a former attorney, uh, gubernatorial candidate during the uh, running as a liberty-minded Democrat, and Marissa Manley, who has announced today, this is a kickoff day uh, for her campaign. She's an attorney, founder, and president of Commercial Tenant Real Estate Representation Limited, uh, and she's running as an independent. So, Marissa, let's start there. Um, you want to get on the ballot somehow, right? Getting on, I think, yes, absolutely, we're going to get on the ballot. Do you want to be on the Democratic primary ballot or is it just straight to the general election No, ballot? no, we're going straight to the general election. Okay. We're going to petition for access. Yeah. It's hard, though, right? It's very hard. Well, I think it's hard if somebody wants to get into the CEP, the Citizens Election Program. And it certainly is challenging to get the coverage, mm. to get the message out that people need to hear that there really is an alternative. And yeah. people are extraordinarily frustrated with the dysfunction and polarization of the two major parties. They are looking for alternatives. And yet, and one of the reasons that uh, makes it difficult to be heard is the way the Democratic and the Republican parties function. They function by excluding other voices. Um, we can talk about how that plays out at a national level, for mm -hmm. instance. Uh, I was saying to somebody, well, I'm going to get some things printed for my campaign. And they said, well, you better give the printer a call because they're only going to print for Democrats. They're only going to print for Republicans. They, they may not print for an independent. Uh, that So it certainly is known that campaign resources tend to be dedicated to one party, dedicated to the other. There's dedicated software if you're a Democrat and you want certain voter data. Mm -hmm. Same for the Republicans. So it's very, very much a market which has become – has the characteristics of a cartel. Right. So um, I want to come back to that, uh, and I like that metaphor, cartel. Um, Mark, I'm holding up your uh, – um, your uh, petition clipboard here. So you've been out already doing this. Um, I assume the same thing for you, right? You're bypassing the primary? No. Oh, you you want to be in the primary? I do. Yeah. Realistically, I don't think I'm going to get a whole lot of Democrat convention votes. I don't kiss up to delegates. I don't even know who they are. No. But I am a Democrat. It's not even healthy. <laughs> I am a Democrat. If miraculously next month yeah. the conventioners see to it that a liberty-minded Democrat might be our best bet for leading Connecticut, mm -hmm. I would happily accept their nomination. If it's 15 percent, you get into the primary. Right. Whether I'd accept that, I'm not sure. You're going to be there? You're going to go to the convention? Yeah. yeah. You'll be there at the – Sure. Yeah, Adrian's Landing. Okay. Uh, look, one reason I'm a Democrat is the practicality of – they're the only two parties that get paid attention to. Mm. Yes, some reporters, and thankfully you're among them, do pay attention to others who, as you say, probably have more provocative ideas, might be better leaders because they're not chiseled down by a system. That's why you guys are here. So very quickly, though, just strategy-wise, and I, I apologize for emphasizing this, but it, it's the thing you got to do anyway. So let's imagine just 
just imagine for the sake of imagining, you get zero delegates out of the Democratic uh, state convention, that you leave Adrian Lanning with as many delegates as you went in with. Okay, then then you're out on the street with these clipboards, right? I'm out now. Yeah. Uh, we're building up a party no matter what. It's called Americans for Minimal Government, yeah. Amigo for short. And it is there to be a voice for independence. I expect to be at the top of that ticket. They themselves have a chance to convene in September. They could actually vote me out. I don't think they will, but there's a lieutenant governor selection. Happened to Joe Lieberman. Yes. Yeah. And there there could be an Amigo candidate for the 5th District for Elizabeth F. Estes seat. Hmm. Minimal government, but you want to put meters on people's cars. To Look, me, we need revenue somehow. Okay. The basic functions of Connecticut could still need half the budget. I'm no in favor what. of this. I think it's a good idea. I think people should pay for the roads that they drive on. You're right, though. The meters they they track mileage. Could they track whether you went to a brothel or not? Maybe. Alex but, Jones is going to have a field day. But but. Google knows where you go already. Uh, good point, good point. Okay, so Marissa, so I want to go back to this whole idea of it's a cartel. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't disagree that it, it seems like this whole thing is set up to quash or stifle debate. I mean, can you get, is there any way that you can be partake in any debates? Has anybody indicated to you oh, that? No? So wait, yeah, uh, I don't necessarily, I think the answer to that is yes. I think once we have gained the signatures for ballot access, yeah. People will invite us, but we don't have to wait for that. We can certainly get out and create our own events, as we are planning to do. We've got a talking tour that we're planning around the state. Mm -hmm. We have a number of other functions that we're planning. But I would go beyond that. Again, I'm going to go back to the fact that recent uh, research from Harvard Business uh, School shows Harvard uh, that more than 60% of Americans want an alternative um, we know that in both of our last two gubernatorial elections, the vote was actually pretty close mm. between Foley and Malloy. And I, a lot of those people who crossed lines, who voted Democratic mm. and who are so dissatisfied, who have been dis dissatisfied with what's going on at the national level on the Republican Party, are looking for an alternative. Mm. If there was ever a time when a true independent can win in Connecticut because that independent is not looking for a political career, is not looking to build a party, is looking to bring solutions to the state that we cherish. This is the year. 2018 is the year for an independent to win. Let's talk about the signatures. Mark, how many signatures do you need? You know, for a Democrat, you need like 15-5, right? No. No. There's a big distinction. Okay. And what August was trying to do, and he couldn't four years ago, Augie was Wolf. get- Yes. He- needed the votes of registered Republicans, the right. signatures, and it's 1% of those in the state. That's about 9,000, uh, and that's hard to find. How do you find all these actual registered Republicans? Right. Only one in six if you knock it, on the door. It's 2% of them? Is that what it is? Um, I think it's just one. Well, there, so, there aren't that many. Uh, well, okay, let's go. Well, so we'll here's go what yeah. Marissa and I face. It's not as bad, and I don't even think it's unfair. We've got to work. Mm -hmm. We've got to get 7,500 right. registered voters. Now, people may yeah. lie to you. People may not even realize whether they're registered. That first column on that thing is called the reject. Right. There it is. And plus, don't you have to have a different page for every town? Yes, yeah. I'm carrying 169 pages with you. You got to be. But now, I think I think you can turn them all into the Secretary of State. They I'm going in after that. this. Yeah, they, I think that might they might have changed that. They're all going to be validated, though. You have to overcollect. It's a lot of work. I mean, Jonathan Pelto couldn't do it. Joe Visconti did, but it's hard, right? It's it's going to be hard, and, and that's a lot of paperwork. You got to have a page for somebody from Basra who comes up to you. Send out your volunteers with the four, five, six, seven pages they're most likely to lead to need at a particular point. You get excess signatures done. You right. organize it. You do it. Um, so, but you guys were very 
uh, dotty about that. I would be whining the entire time about how hard it you, is. You know why it's why? kind of enjoyable? Yeah, why? This shopping lots, if you see me in a, a stop and shop or a shop right parking lot with my clipboard, you are my political advising team. I don't use an outside consultant. I never will. But when I hear, what are you about? What do you like? What would you like to see in the next governor? That feedback helps hone me in my pitch. Well, yeah. And have you done much of this retail stuff so far, Marissa? Just sort of going out there? Because I know We're it's your waiting. first day. We're waiting. Until, yeah. Right, exactly. We're building the team the weather right warms now. up a little bit, maybe. People are <laughs> out. It has set we, me behind. We, no, we've done the numbers. We know where we need to get signatures. We've got the plan. Um. Well, uh, we're running out of time here a little bit, but I mean, I, I'm I do want to say that I, I, I well, I mean, I, it might be time for one more comment from you, Mark. The press, like, who else from the press? Is anybody else willing to talk to you? This is the big difference. When you say fringe, I don't think it's fringe in terms of what bo- voters perceive. Whether Marissa or I or Oz can get the respect of media, yeah. which traditionally does not like they think either you're a kook. Or you have no chance. If we break through that, it's not fringe anymore. And that is a big challenge. Well, that's a perfect place for us to end. I just do want to say we've been talking to uh, Mark Stewart Greenstein. You are technically a Democrat, right? I am, and I'll stay that way. Marissa Manley uh, is uh, technically an independent. Truly an independent. Truly an independent. They're both running for governor. Uh, Jill Sobiel was in here one day, and I told her about this program, and I asked her to work on Kion's theme and do her own version of it. So we're going to go out with that. Lee Whitnam coming. Crazy ass fringe candidates. Not a chance in hell of getting elected fringe candidates. Fringe candidates. And then you have something, something from the something party, yeah. And then you have him speak, you know, just a little. Yeah, then you have dun 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 dun. You've gotten into this more than anybody that we've ever run this by, and that speaks volumes. <laughs> and this is a perfect uh, Colin McEnroe show, courtesy of Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lee Newton, joined by Ryan Karen King, and we're inviting you to support this program right now, Ryan. Colin does this every uh, every election. He's got fringe candidates who come in, and these are the candidates that, that don't get in the debates, that don't get traditional press coverage. It's a perfect example of what he does so well. It's something different, and it sparks conversation. This is great political conversation. There are interesting ideas coming from these candidates and viewpoints, and if you are enlightened by them and you appreciate that Colin does this, then, then support this program right now. We have a $2,000 goal, and if that, which is a bit ambitious, I'll say, but... I think we can do it. We can do we that, and for $2,000, if we can reach that by the end of the Colin McEnroe Show, our friends at Bouvier Insurance, which they are a local family-owned independent agency, are going to kick in an additional $1,000. So that is a wonderful bonus. It's a great challenge for you to support Colin right now. Here's the number. 1-800-584-2788 or pick up your mobile device, your laptop, and make an online pledge at WNPR.org. Now we're both sitting here and we're learning a little bit about our state, um, but we're, we're, it's not just like we're listening to facts and people and talking heads. We're listening to you know a musical rendition. We're, we're listening <laughs> yeah. to you know Colin's witty banter and insight. Like This is stuff that you really can't find anywhere else at the local level. Yeah. Uh, I, I think actually Ira Glass actually promoted the Colin McEnroe show as like an okay. example of how to do 
local radio. So like we have something really special here. Um, and and that really special thing is made possible by you, the donor, you, the listener, um, all of you out there that appreciate this and year after year come and, uh, and pledge your support. Um, to do that, to help Colin McEnroe and his team of terrific producers do their thing, uh, there is a number, and you just have to call it. It's 1-800-584-2788. If you don't have a phone with you, but you do have uh, a laptop, uh, WNPR.org is also an easy way uh, to pledge your support. And you can certainly give any amount that feels right for you. Think about how important this show is. Maybe it's a, a part of your routine, a part of your lunch, a part of your workday. Well, support it today in any way that you think is right. But let me just offer a suggestion. How about... $10 a month or $120, you can send your mom a beautiful spring bouquet that we have available. It will be delivered on Thursday, May 10th, and uh, it is stargazer lilies and blue irises. It comes with chocolates. It's a great way to support public radio. That, again, $10 a month delivered on May 10th. If you'd like it a little closer to Mother's Day holiday, Give $12 a month or $144, and you can have it delivered on Saturday, May 12th. So very nice flowers for mom and something nice for Colin, too. We see comments about how mm. people love Colin all the time. The people that pledge specifically name him. How about you? Support Colin on Connecticut Public Radio right now at 1-800-584-2788 or go to WNPR.org. So your support goes to programs like the Colin McEnroe Show on the radio. Uh, but if you also go to our website, you can find all sorts of content and, and more and more as uh, we bring on folks like Carlos Mejia, uh, our new digital producer who's been helping out with videos for the Colin McEnroe Show. So you can actually see Colin on video now uh, online. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, he uh, interviewed uh, his nose panelist, Karen Carolyn Payne, a couple of weeks ago. So we have a video up there. Uh, there's actually a video for today's show. I won't uh, ruin it uh, because I think that interview is coming up next. Um, but all, you know, we're cross-platform, and, and to do that and to do that work well, uh, we need your support. Um, it's, it's a big operation to, to suit the radio needs, um, and then to, to produce everything on the digital side as well, we need people to do that. Uh, so call now, 1-800-584-2788. Support a radio and digital initiative on Connecticut Public Radio. And don't forget about that $2,000 goal for the Colin McEnroe Show. If we can reach $2,000, our friends at Bouvier Insurance will kick in an additional $1,000 for the Colin McEnroe Show on Connecticut Public Radio. So help us do that right now. Your call, your pledge, it matters. It makes a difference. So join us right now. You can call 1-800-584-2788 or go to WMPR.org. But do it right now while we're listening to The Colin McEnroe Show. We appreciate you so much, and thank you. You're listening to The Colin McEnroe Show on WNPR. Wait, fringe candidates has nothing to do with how you dress? I need to go home and change. Today's show is produced by Betsy Kaplan and me, Kyone Wolf. Amanda Fish is the nominee of the Mermaid Party. The part of Bill Curry was played by H. Ross Perot. On tomorrow's show, a conversation with Matt Taibbi. And now, back to Colin and Lee Whitnam. I'm talking to a candidate who has run for office several times in Connecticut, starting, I think, in 2008. Uh, her name is Lee Whitnam. She's running for governor this time. First of all, welcome to our studios, Lee Whitnam. Well, thank you, Colin, for having me here. And uh, do I have that right? It was 2008 for Congress. That Was that your first time? That was the first time, yeah. yeah. 
and now you're running for governor. Right. And in between, you run for U.S. Senate at least once. Yeah, but you know, the, I only after the primary I disappeared. I didn't stay in it. Yeah. I, I, I was barely in it. So I sort of half-heartedly, but there's all kinds of other things going on in my life. So I really only think this is my second run. Okay. And w- what about this time? In other words, um, we're getting ahead of our story a little bit, but you're running for governor. Right. Uh, do, you, do you anticipate running for governor all the way through November? Somehow? I'm going to be here for November. Okay. Um, let's talk about why you're running for governor mm-hmm. this time. What's important to you? Well, Colin, I went through the worst six years of my life. I was literally in court full-time for six years. Mm. And one unbelievable travesty after another. Uh, I cannot believe how unlawful our court system is. It's got to change. I adhere to all the rules. Mm-hmm. You know what my mother said? She said, it is patently impossible for someone who is as intelligent as you are to be wrong 100% of the time. She said, maybe 50%, <laughs> maybe 20%, but not 100%. I said, Mom, I was right 100% of the time, but I'm dealing with a judiciary and a judicial system that is as crooked as it can possibly be. Nobody's following the rules. When your due process is denied, when they lie on the record, the games, the trickery, the refusal to hear a motion to dismiss, you have no recourse. I had even, Colin, at that time I had between 25 and 30 appeals to the appellate court, and none of them were heard. Mm. And then I come to find out that our appellate court only hears 20% of all appeals. If you're spending between five dollars and $120,000 on an appeal to the appellate court, the, what you don't expect is that they're going to pick it up and throw it in the garbage. So let me ask you this. Yeah. A lot of people uh, are unhappy with the court system. Uh, they don't run for governor. Why run for governor? In other words, you know, we can all point to parts of our lives where we're very unhappy about things that happened to us. And there are various ways of redressing that or dealing with it. Running for governor would seem to be a rather self-punishing thing to do. Uh, I mean, it's going to be very hard for you. There's going to be a lot of rejection. There already has been some rejection. Why deal with it that way? Why run for governor? Well, you know, when the statewide prosecutor's office was terrorizing me, when they dragged me into criminal court for 41 court appearances, John Whale, an assistant chief state's prosecutor, kept saying, you know, if I left, three million people would stand up and cheer. Okay, so he was obviously doing the bidding of some political enemies. I get it. I was not pro-Israel and vocal about it. Okay, so whatever his reason was, what I know about the court system, the people I met along the way, your property, your freedom, you you have no rights here. I can't live here comfortably. Mm -hmm. Every time my door knocks, I go in my shower. I think it's... uh, you know, either federal judge Underhill sending marshals to my house or John Whalen sending police to arrest me yet again. So, I mean, I can't live like this. Right. So, so so let's talk a little bit more about that process, because yeah. I know this is a, the, you have some frustrations with this. Uh, in order to run for governor, you got to be able to get to the debates. Presumably, you want to try to raise some money so you can qualify for a citizen selection program. Presumably, you'd like to have some support at the convention. So let's go through a few of those things. Debates, we already know that you've been allowed to participate in some debates, and then others you haven't. You famously were dragged out of one uh, as you passively uh, lay there on the floor. What's going on with the debates? How, How come you either can or can't make it to debates? Well, you know, Nick, Nick, uh, Boletto said after uh, the, the uh, Democratic uh, state chairman. Yeah, after the uh, Brookfield incident, that you know my views or you know my temperament. I've never had a conversation with Nick Boletto in my life mm-hmm. from day one when I ran in two thousand eight. Nancy DiNardo, who I think she and Nick Boletto run it like Ma and Pa, former Democratic state chairwoman. Yeah, but she's still pulling all the strings as I'm far just as I'm concerned. I mean, from day one, yeah. she's hated me. 
for no other reason than I don't, I don't know. All she knew when I called her the first time was that I was female. And she, this was back in 2008, and she was going on and on about how she had a great candidate and this guy Richter, some hockey player in Westchester County. And I said to her, lady, you're out of your mind. The voters will know he doesn't even live in Fairfield County. And she hung up on me. After that, she's hated me. I said, I'm right here. I don't think I've ever spoken to her in the flesh, maybe once or twice on the phone in 10 years of a political career. Nick Boletto, I have never had a conversation with. So how he can pass judgment on me, people have since sent me emails well, you must have really pissed off the party. What did you do? You must have done something bad. Nothing. So <laughs> My views you. are moderate. Yeah. Let, let me ask <laughs> what you this. What the hell are they talking about? Let me ask you this. So yeah. uh, there are a couple of people who, you know, have quite a bit of money and maybe some delegate support. You know, we're thinking maybe Ned Lamont, Susan Beisowitz. And then there's a bunch of other candidates who, you know, in terms of support, uh, money, Delegates, anything that we might try to measure are, are pretty clearly second tier. And I'm not talking disrespectfully about Guy Smith or Sean Connolly or even Jonathan Harris, um, but they get to go to the debates. If you had to try to guess why they get invited to go places that you're not allowed to go, what, what's the difference between them and you? I have no idea. But Guy Smith is, is on a petition drive, my right. understanding. Uh, Mika Willenkanokis is on one. Uh, Oz Grable, who is an independent, already has 5,000 signatures as of the debate we were all in on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So do not underestimate. There's going to be eight people on November 6th, Election Day, not just the Democrats. Are you going to be one of them? Oh, absolutely. You're going to need signatures? I don't think I'm going to get signatures this time, Colin. I did that twice. How are you going to do it then? You can be a write-in. Okay. Oh, you're going to be in as a write-in. Okay. Absolutely. Look. We've already known from Linda McMahon, who spent $55 million in a campaign. I'd get three pieces of literature a day from this woman, and I'm not even a Republican. I know. And I would think, you know, this is overkill. The saturation level is not that hard in a state of only 3 million people. There were injuries to mailmen during that campaign. They got hernias just carrying all that I'm Linda McMahon. I'm telling you, just carrying Linda yeah, McMahon's it was horrible. mail. Yeah. You um, know, we've seen people spend tremendous amounts of money and still not get elected. And so, you know, it comes down to the message. The people spot the real thing a mile away. I got that out of a movie, but you want to know something? It is true. Mm -hmm. If people will hear me, and I have not been good about putting out my clips. I made my first commercial. It's a little homemade. It's on the front page of my website, Mm -hmm. LeeWhitnam.com. I'm proud of it. I have 15 commercials planned. By the time November rolls around, everybody's going to know about me. Everybody's going to know about the Lee Bill, 15 Lee Bills to clean up the Connecticut judiciary. Everybody, and the common sense things, Colin, things like in the probate court and in the criminal court, when the state is the plaintiff and has the upper hand, why isn't there an electronic docket? Mm-hmm. Motions disappear. When you go to appeal something, you need to recreate the docket. Do you know how difficult that well, is? So you want transparency. Electronic. I want an electronic docket in mm-hmm. the probate and the criminal court. Absolutely. Okay, so let me ask you this. Are you going to go to That's the— That's Lee Bill number five, by the way. Oh, Lee Bill number five. So are you going to go to the convention, the Democratic convention? You yeah. know— would, would you be let—do you think they would not let you in? Sometimes they don't let you in places, right? <laughs> I don't even know, but you want to know something? I don't know. I haven't— yeah. To tell you the truth, it totally depends on the weather. It's in May. And, uh, you know— um, Like if it's a rainy day, you would go? You know, I don't know. Okay. I really don't—I don't see the purpose of it. The party faithful are such—the party animals, the kind of people like the people from my town that go to town meetings. Yeah. I don't attend town meetings. I'm sorry. Minutia, low-end politics, I have no interest. People say, why don't you just run for dog catcher? Uh, or they say, worse, you couldn't even get elected as dog catcher. I'm, it doesn't interest me. I'm not interested. 
Let me ask you about, okay, let's say day after Election Day. You've run right. as a write-in candidate. Right. Write-in candidates for governor typically don't win. Right. Uh, maybe you get, I don't know, you got, I don't know, what's a, what's an optimistic view for you? 800, 1,000 votes? No, More? no, no, oh, Colin, no. Colin, honey. <laughs> I am I am a woman, yeah. okay? I'm not running to for the job because I'd just as soon sit at home and watch endless reruns of Law and Order. Right. I'm looking to make my state livable so that I don't have to leave because I can't leave with the way it is now. If I can say to someone, hey, you know, did you know that you, you can't get your electronic transcript when you order a transcript in the court system and judges tweak it all the time? And they say, I heard about that. Lee Whitnam was going to change that, but now they know. Right. See, once you know... So all, that's, your, that's your goal, is to get the issue out there, not to collect X number of votes. Listen, I'm a nonprofit accountant. I could fix this budget. The reason why we're in the toilet, ranked 48th in the country, is because of sovereign immunity gone crazy, because we were one of the 13 original colonies. You can't get rid of a bad judge in this state. Uh, I'm just I'm not clear what the answer to the question was. So you're, are you running to highlight these issues? You're not running because you think you're going to be governor? Or I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Let it's me put it this other. way. I am the best candidate for the job yeah. from what I can see, and I've met all the candidates, and they're all really good. I'm the best candidate for the job. You think they're all really good? Um, the ones now? Yeah. yeah. Even the independents. All yeah. of them. I've met them all. I think that there's some really good candidates. I have some, you know, I... Because I, famously at a 2012 debate, you kind of expressed your lack of respect for some of your fellow candidates there. Well, that was because that was, that was, we got onto the issue of the of Israel. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be called a liar on the air. Right. And I'm getting ready to put out a little commercial about that because I've been grossly smeared about that. Right. I am not going to let Chris Murphy tell him, say that something like the role of the neoconservatives in the taking down of Iraq or APAC, the most powerful force in Washington, the Israel lobby, does not exist. He will not lie to the people on my watch. My response was in response to him calling me a liar on the air. I don't lie, especially not about that. I don't lie. I try not to. All right, let's so, go back to the gubernatorial candidates. Yeah, sure. So you basically like and respect the field that you've you've met them. You've been on some stages with them, right? Yeah, well, I'm yeah. not going to pick and choose. I mean, some people I question their intellect. Some people I question how informed they are. Some people I question their loyalty. Yeah. Some people I wonder why they're running. All right, so let's say uh, Ned Lamont uh, called you up and said, look, I'm thinking maybe you'd be a good number two person on my ticket and run for lieutenant governor. Maybe talk a little bit less about judges than you do. Uh, maybe park the APAC stuff for a while. But would you run with me as my lieutenant governor? Would you do that? I absolutely would. And you also, would? I spoke to Dave Walker at the debate on yeah. Saturday. I said, Dave, now Dave and I had a wonderful spar. I really like Dave. And he actually came up to me after the Binnell debate and said, Lee, good spar. He's, he's a good egg. I like yeah. Dave Walker on the Republican side. So you'd and run with him, too? I absolutely would. I even asked yeah. him. I said, he came up to me after you, the bid. You offered debate. your services as lieutenant governor? He, he came up to me. This yeah. is what a good egg he is. Yeah. After Bill, and said, Lee, you know a lot about the judiciary. I'd like to learn more and gave me his card. Wow. I really respect that. I mean, and so when I saw him this Saturday, I said, Dave, listen, if you become the front runner, I need you. I need to clean up this state. I need to stay here. I need to clean up this judiciary, Dave. you got to keep me. He's like, absolutely, or something okay. like that. Let, so let he was you, affirmative. Let too. me ask you, uh, we're running out of time here. I want to get to one more thing. Yeah, sure. If you could change something, not about judges or anything like that, but if you could change something about the process by which candidates get on the ballot or get access to resources or, or whatever, if you could change something so that a person like you could get more visibility or resources or whatever, uh, what would you change? What's, <sighs> what's the most unfair? 
The most unfair is how much, you know, Neil Vigder and Ken Borsak of the Greenwich Time have smeared me so completely so for 10 years. You think the, the press, press is the problem? The press has destroyed my life. Yeah. I mean, everything I say is twisted. They print things that blatant lies on the front page of the paper. You know, I mean, Joe Gannon... Poor guy, seven years in jail when he could have taken one. What a terrible situation that happened to him. He broke the law, but my God, seven years is a... I like Joe Gannon. Yeah, take but, you the know, plea, right? Take the plea? Take the goddamn plea. These, they're, they're, they're not, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to curse okay. on TV. But when I heard his story, I mean, I like, I like Joe Gannon. And as much rage and, as I have for what law enforcement did to me, I'm surprised he's so calm. Yeah. But um, and now I lost my train of thought. But, um, Do you ever watch Law & Order? You said you don't want to stay home and watch Law & Order. Law and Order has a lot of this kind of stuff on it. You know? Except that in that case, the law actually prevails. In the state of Connecticut, no one's paying attention to the law. It's all run by influence peddling. It's all who you know and who you are. Yeah, Sam Waterston is a prosecutor here. Maybe things would get better. So, um, so, this is, but, so that's the thing that you think is the, really the wrongest. I did not expect you to say the press. When I go to a funeral, my cousin's wife's funeral, and I see my family members repeating Neil Vigder's words from across the room who haven't seen me in decades— Everyone, every aspect of my life, the guy at the post office, I know all about you. No, you know what Neil Vigder says about me. Yeah. You know, I mean, how do I get out from under this reporter who's hell-bent to make sure he makes me look as ridiculous as possible, as much as possible? How about me? Do you think I'm part of the problem? A little bit, Colin. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you covered me recently, I think you did me a real disservice. And I consider you one of, I don't think Neil is bright. I'm sorry. I just don't. I mean, I've sat there with him. Neil? I think the jury's out one way or another about whether it's... Yeah, but Colin, I, I have no doubt about your intellect, okay? <laughs> and when you called me borderline anti-Semitic, okay, I do push the envelope. I don't know if you saw my press release against Joe at Katz yesterday. Yes, but, I did. You know, I mean, I do push the envelope. You do the push envelope. the envelope. <laughs> I do push the envelope a little bit because I want to be able to talk about the role of the neocons, about Zionism, about where our money goes, and about the power of APAC. But I never have never been anti-Semitic, and I don't make anti-Semitic statements. And so so when someone with an IQ like you, mm-hmm. I know you're very bright, believes what people like Malloy have said about me that, you know, they don't get it. Right. They're not they're not aware. But you are. You, and don't, that, think, you don't think Malloy's that bright? No. No. Look, Colin, mm. when you do it, it's cardinal sin because mm. you know better. When they do it, they're just stupidity. And that's why I said to you, find me the quotes. Find me the quotes. Because, you know— Talking about the cause and effect of unnecessary war and where our money goes and the impact it has on terrorism is extremely important. We're on a collision course with destiny. And so that's why I talk about it. Not only am I out to save my state, I'm out to save my country. I think that's a good note to end on. Lee Whitman, candidate for governor. Uh, we've got a long road ahead of us. We're going to be on it all the way to November. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you, Colin. So nominate me for the next party lately. Maybe not the green or maybe not the navy. I could be the clear candidate, maybe. That's really on the fringe. I really got to go because I really got to binge on some food before my next workshop, dude. And now you know fringe candidates seem rude, but what's really rude is not being inclusive. So so let's hear what they say and not be elusive. And you know that politicians seduce us with all kinds of messages. But what the truth is, if you want to know, hit the Colin McEnroe show. Mandate. Fringe candidates. Fringe candidates. <laughs> oh. Okay, that was perfect. Awesome, you guys. Ah. Wow. That was awesome.